Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast. My name is Mung, and today we're actually joined by our producer, Dan. Hey, everybody. I'm filling in for Los again. Uh, I hear he got trampled on Black Friday, and he's quite injured right now. You know, he, he might be questionable for next week. Um, but <laughs> actually, he is on a flight right now going home, so we wish him safe travels, and I hope you all had a nice Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll jump right into it. We had a lot of games happen, and we've got a lot of good matchups coming up in Week 13 as well. So first, we'll go with the Gillette Close Shave of the Week. After a defensive slugfest through four quarters on Sunday night football, Denver and Kansas City entered overtime tied 24-24. After both teams kicked field goals, the game was tied again at 27. And with just over a minute left, Broncos kicker Brandon McManus hooked a 62-yard field goal attempt wide left. The Chiefs then drove down the field and set up their own kicker, Cairo Santos, with a 34-yard field goal attempt. Santos's kick hooked left as well and hit the left upright of the goalpost, but the ball bounced through for the score, propelling the Chiefs to second place in the AFC West. Get your close shave like Cairo Santos with Gillette, the best a man can get. Our best blades for a few dollars a month. Fresh blades delivered to your door, no commitments. So I feel like we don't uh, often discuss kickers, Dan, but they're incredibly important to the game, both in real-life games and in fantasy. For example, Sebastian Janikowski last week won Oakland the game against Carolina, and then Justin Tucker probably won some people their fantasy matchups this week. I feel like when people draft, too, they if, if you don't end up getting like Guskowski or Hauschka at least this year, they didn't care who they ended up getting at the end. But I, I made sure to target Tucker, and I got him in two leagues. Um, so that's, I mean, I value it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think kickers are always going to be one of those inconsistent, uh, you know, fantasy positions, but that's why guys like Matt Bryant are important. He's been so consistent this year, or if they're going to be inconsistent, at least grab a guy like Tucker who has a high, high ceiling and where he will have these games where he kicks four or five field goals. I feel like Tucker has had at least seven points in every fantasy game this year so far i'm not sure i can double check that but it seems like maybe in maybe every week except for one yeah i think he had a couple stinkers here and there but i feel like all kickers do um but that said let's uh get into the week 13 matchups um what's the first game dan first game on thursday night football we have dallas versus minnesota so, yeah, this should be an interesting matchup, kind of a uh, one of those um, unstoppable forces meets, uh, what's the phrase again? The immovable object. Yeah, there we go. Uh, and, of course, I'm talking about uh, the Dallas offensive line here against the Minnesota defense. Um, but really, as good as the Vikings defense has been, I, I just don't see this red-hot Cowboys offense really getting slowed that much. Um, you know, Terrence Newman should be back this week, which obviously helps the Minnesota secondary a bit. But that said, I'm really not scared to start Dak Prescott in fantasy, though Though I would downgrade him to a low-end QB1. Uh, of course, you're starting Ezekiel Elliott, 
Uh, Wood fade does a little bit to, down to a high-end wide receiver two in my rankings this week um, because Minnesota does have uh, those talented physical cornerbacks, and I could see Brian struggling to get open in the end zone or, or getting loose for some of those big plays that we're accustomed to seeing from him. Uh, I'd actually expect a, a little bit more of an intermediate passing game here with Cole Beasley and Jason Witten. Uh, I think Cole Beasley is a high-end wide receiver three for me this week, and, and Witten should be a solid low-end tight end one in PPR for this game. I think those two guys are going to be Prescott's safety blankets. I agree with everything you said there. Um, I, I don't know if I'd say Ezekiel is going to be a low-end RB1. That's the only thing I'll disagree with with you. He's going to be great. He always is. Oh, I didn't say that. I just said you're still starting him, but... Yeah, certainly. I don't. Uh, I'm. I'm saying I don't think he's going to be a low end one. I think he's going to be right where he always is. Yeah, I, I think I would still have him in that top five simply because Alfred Morris really doesn't eat into his touches. He's still going to get you know the vast majority of the touches for Dallas. Um, moving on to the Minnesota side here, I don't love Bradford, but uh, Minnesota's offensive line is going to have trouble running the ball as well against the pretty tough Dallas run defense. Um, I do think they'll need to throw, and he should find some success, assuming Stephon Diggs is healthy for this matchup. Um, Diggs is a mid-level wide receiver, too, if he plays, uh, and Thielen would be uh, well, back to that wide receiver four territory um, if he does. Uh, earlier reports are saying that Diggs is expected to be active for this game. Um, in terms of the running backs, McKinnon and Asiata are both flex plays, uh, and as I keep saying, I, I prefer Asiata due to his goal line work, and he did find the end zone last week against Detroit. Uh, and that's the third game in a row that he scored. And then Kyle Rudolph still in that mid-range tight end two mix with his red zone targets, but you're basically relying on a touchdown from him to return value. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think Diggs is probably going to end up getting another, I mean, Thielen got 13 targets, eight catches on 13 targets. Um, I'd expect Diggs to, to have another double digit uh, catching day. Yeah, and I actually saw a stat today that, you know, it's been 250 snaps on defense since Dallas is forced to turnover. Certainly, like, uh, Diggs' chances in this one. Agreed. Who do you got? Um, I'm going to take Dallas, even on the road. I'm taking Dallas, too. They've been way too good. Why would they lose now? Yeah, they're one of the best teams in the league right now. Okay, the next game, uh, on Sunday we have... Kansas City at Atlanta. Yeah, this should be a really interesting game. Both teams are very hot right now, and the Chiefs' defense has been playing lights out. Uh, you know, Justin Houston really gave Trevor Simeon problems there, and, and that game they were missing D Ford, one of their other best pass rushers. Um, if he's back, I think they are going to give this Falcons offense at least some trouble. Uh, you know, I think Spencer Ware is going to find more success running the ball in this game than he did against Denver. Um, I have him as a mid to high RB2, although Tyreek Hill has emerged for Kansas City, which has siphoned away some of those targets in the passing game for Ware. Um, speaking of Hill, he should be a high-end wide receiver three with plenty of upside. I, I like him regardless of Jeremy Macklin's status. Macklin being in the game really hasn't done much for this Kansas City offense. Um, I think Tyreek Hill's the real deal, and you know, even though he may never be that wide receiver one, I, I think he's going to produce plenty on those big plays in fantasy. And of course, Travis Kelsey, a solid mid-end tight end one, has the 1B receiving option in this offense right now to Tyreek Hill's 1A. So are you saying that we should go out and pick up Tyreek Hill in a non-dynasty league, or just a dynasty league here? You think he's good enough uh, 
going forward for the end of the year to, to warrant a pickup? Oh, yeah. I, th- I think we've seen enough from him now that, one, he's going to get reliable targets from Alex Smith. Um, and two, he really only needs a couple targets here and there. And he gets used so much in different packages that he always has that opportunity to score. He's like a, like a guy that I'm going to talk about in a second here, like Taylor Gabriel for Atlanta, who only needs a few touches but can break those long plays for touchdowns. But unlike Taylor Gabriel, he is the number one receiver. So I think that he's got huge upside week in and week out. He's almost a wide receiver too at this point. Okay, interesting. Um, and let's move on to Atlanta. You know, I mentioned uh, Taylor Gabriel, and Matt Ryan's numbers have really been boosted by him. Um, he's caught a bunch of long touchdowns, and he had two quick screens returned uh, for touchdowns this past week against Arizona, no less. Um, of course, you're starting Matt Ryan as a low-end QB1. Devontae Freeman has been doing well. He's a low-end RB1. And then Tevin Coleman is a flex for me. He's getting that goal line usage, and he's always uh, got potential as well uh, to break those long plays in the passing game. Um, Julio Jones didn't have a great game here uh, with Patrick Peterson draped all over him. Definitely limited his production last week, but he's back to that wide receiver one status. We don't often see Marcus Peters' shadow, and and I think Julio's going to have a pretty big day here. Um, And then, you know, the guy we were talking about, Taylor Gabriel, he's breaking enough big plays that he's in that wide receiver four with upside range right now. Um, if you're desperate, you could throw him in at the flex spot. Uh, again, as we mentioned just a minute ago, he only needs a few touches to score, as we've been seeing all season, whether it's a quick screen or, or a long uh, seam route. And I think last week uh, I mentioned that I liked Mohamed Sanu with Patrick Peterson covering Julio, and he came through with eight catches for 65 yards. Um, but that said, I think this week he goes back to that low-end wide receiver three or flex range. Um, I just don't see enough consistent targets for him with Justin Hardy and Taylor Gabriel getting more involved, and then Julio without Patrick Peterson should dominate more targets this week. You really think Julio is going to have that good of a game, seeing how well Kansas City played for most of the game last night? Yeah, I think that, you know, outside of Marcus Peterson, uh, or sorry, Marcus Peters, they have um, lapses in the secondary, and I think that Matt Ryan is going to need to get the ball out quick against this pass rush, and what better way than a quick slant or a quick screen to Julio Jones? Okay, interesting. So who do you have? Again, this, is, this is an elite playoff offense versus what I'm seeing now as an elite playoff defense. Yeah, that's, this, this is a really tough one. Um, I, I do think that if they get D Ford back, this Kansas City defense is going to be really potent. Um, but that said, in these close matchups, I, I tend to go with the home team, which is why I'm going to take Atlanta by a hair in this one. I'll take Kansas City. Okay, I, I could certainly see it. I think it's going to be a very, very tight matchup, and I think it's going to be one of the best games we're going to watch this week. Okay, next game we have is Detroit at New Orleans. Yeah, I think this is going to be another fun game. Um, you know, as Los has mentioned in the past, the, the Lions offense operates somewhat similar to the Saints, and Matthew Stafford has been playing great football. While New Orleans' defense has been playing better, I think Detroit's going to be able to move the ball all right. Uh, Stafford's a low-end QB1 for me, and Theo Riddick's in that mid-range RB2 mix. And then Golden Tate should be a high-end wide receiver three in this one. Um, he's getting consistent targets, as is Anquan Bolton. He's a decent high-end wide receiver four. Throw him in the flex. Um, Stafford clearly trusts him in the red zone. And then Mar- Marvin Jones looks better since the bye week. I-, I think maybe his foot is a little bit healthier now since that early season injury. 
And then even though Eric Ebron put up a zero last week, uh, I still have him ranked as a low-end tight end one. I want to say it was more the, the great man coverage that the Vikings defense played that really limited Ebron. Um, it's hard to explain these you know outlier games where uh, a lot of tight ends actually put up zeros this week, but I'm, I'm going back to Eric Ebron. I think he sees enough targets to be still trustworthy in your fantasy lineup. Agreed. All right. Uh, easy enough. Uh, let's move on to New Orleans then. Um, and there's not much to say for New Orleans either. You're starting Drew Brees. He's playing at a Hall of Fame level right now, uh, making his bid. And Mark Ingram is regaining Sean Payton's trust and should continue to get more touches over Tim Hightower. Um, we're seeing that when the Saints rely on him, he gets the job done. And he's back to that low-end RB1 range for me. Tim Hightower is still a flex play. Um, he got that fluky uh, receiving touchdown from Willie Sneed, no, no less, but he does get enough usage to warrant uh, flex consideration as he could always score. And then I think Michael Thomas is the clear number one wide receiver at this point for New Orleans. Um, you know, we saw that Brandon Cooks didn't get a single catch, which was partially due to the coverage, but I, I think at the same time, uh, Drew Brees really trusts Michael Thomas now. Um, he's basically the, the Marcus Colston upgrade. He's a high-end wide receiver, too, for this week and for the rest of the season. Um, and I've downgraded Brandon Cooks to a low-end wide receiver, too. He'll still break those big plays, but just not as consistently targeted anymore as Michael Thomas. Willie Sneed also still a flex play. He basically needs a touchdown, um, but he gets those uh, high-octane red zone targets from Drew Brees, um, even when he doesn't get those trick-passing touchdowns like the one he had last week. And then we're seeing Kobe Fleener continue to lose snaps to Josh Hill. Uh, both are unstartable in fantasy right now. Just boom or bust, you know, low-end, tight-end twos. Um, basically, you'd have to be really desperate, kind of like how Indy and uh, New York use, uh, like, a tight-end by committee. Um, just both are unreliable in fantasy. Man, we have been so wrong about tight ends all year, at least since the beginning of the year. I mean, Virgil Green, <laughs> looking like a bust. We got Fleener, who's not producing like we totally expected him to. I don't know, Mung. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take full responsibility for that. I, I was touting those guys all preseason. I, I hated on Jimmy Graham preseason. I did not think that his knee was going to be as healthy as it has been. He's looked amazing. Um, back to that old New Orleans upside that he used to have. Yeah, tight end's been kind of a crapshoot. We've seen Gronk do terrible. Um, really, you've got your top, you know, three to four guys. And, and even then, Greg Olson's been kind of bad lately. So it, tight end really is just a crapshoot. Yeah. So, so what do you think about the whole Ingram and Hightower dynamic that's going on? To me, it almost seems like Ingram has gotten better since Hightower has gotten more touches. Yeah, I actually, I, I don't think it's a workload thing. I, I think it's more a mental side. I think uh, Ingram is is mad that he lost his job after that fluky fumble, and, and really he's been playing great ever since. Uh, I expect him to continue to get more snaps over Hightower. Okay. Yeah, so I, don't think it's a, I don't think it's a durability issue or anything like that with Ingram. You don't think he had to, him getting fewer touches for a few weeks kind of helped him rest up a little bit and, and get right back out there. He's off injured, so he, you never really know. Right. Uh, I, I definitely see your point, um, and that, that's actually my exact hypothesis for Lamar Miller. I think he's one of those backs that actually does better with fewer touches uh, like he received in Miami. 
Um, but for Ingram, I, I think he's that bruiser. He plays great. I, I think he wears down the opposing defense. Um, I, I think that he can handle a full workload and still be this productive. Okay, so um, who are you taking? Uh, I, I can't bet against uh, Drew Brees in the Superdome here. Yeah, I'm going to have to, unless, uh, but I mean, Detroit has those comebacks, man. If, if that game is even within like arm's reach, they might, they might steal it at the end. Yeah, but I, you know, I just, I don't think it's going to happen with Drew Brees playing as well as he's playing. Okay. I, I'm also going to take New Orleans. I just wanted to throw that out there. Okay. Yeah, sir. I mean, certainly not impossible. I, I could definitely see it. Um, Detroit ha- does uh, do its best when they're trailing in the fourth quarter. Okay, the next game we have is L.A. versus New England. Yeah, and it's actually a little bit more fun to to talk about the Rams now that Jared Goff is the quarterback. He's certainly giving this offense a little bit more life. Um, and the Patriots we're seeing are, are very mortal right now. They're struggling on both offense and on defense. I think Goff has high-end QB2 potential this week, and he's not the worst streaming option. I think that the Patriots are going to lead most of this game. And Jared Goff is going to need to throw, and he's going to find holes in your in excuse me New England's secondary. Um, Todd Gurley, he's been a consistent RB two, just not what we wanted him to be when we drafted him. Uh, but you're still starting him. And then Kenny Britt, he's in that wide receiver three, low end wide receiver three flex territory. Um, and then Tavon Austin is that wide receiver four territory. Neither is just that reliable. We we haven't really seen Jared Goff kind of key in on one receiver and I think it's kind of be it's going to be kind of a crapshoot here um what do you think about the Rams Uh, nothing's really that great about the Rams even their defense isn't that good and they're supposed to be very good you know it's just I don't know I I I would have to play um Gurley I mean I have him in the league I feel bad if I bench him but there's nothing that's really impressing me at all with this team yeah, he's just not getting that involved in the passing game. And, you know, he's been, he hasn't broken those big plays like we saw last year. There, there's been very few dynamic plays from him. And I, I think part of it is the offensive line, but part of it was Case Keenum. So maybe he starts to get things rolling a little bit with Jared Goff. We'll see. Maybe, but I mean, a lot of, I mean, we can go on for having a much longer discussion about him right now. But if you were to look at his numbers from last year, uh, a lot of, he, he kind of had them in chunks. He was like, bad for a bunch of games and then he had i think it was a stretch of like four or five games where he had really good games with uh, with over 100 yards i think or close to it and a touchdown in almost all of them so it seems like his stats were somewhat inflated it it may not be the real girly um i don't know i don't don't know know about the real girly i disagree with that i think he's capable of breaking those super dynamic plays i just don't think this offense has been operating well enough to to give him the room to do that thus far um, but certainly some of that is on him. We haven't seen him create as much um, after after contact, which we did last year. And I, I do think that Jared Goff is going to help him. We saw Goff float that beautiful pass to Tavon Austin for that touchdown. And, and defenses are, are not going to be um, as eager to stack the box when you have a guy who can do stuff like that. Yeah, you're right. Um, I don't know. That line is just so bad. I just don't see anything good happening with them. I mean, he, uh, Gurley's getting hit behind the line of scrimmage almost every single time. Yeah, and it's certainly affecting his running style, too. You see him a lot more hesitant on some of the plays. and um, But again, I, I do think Goff helps, and he's still that RB2, uh, you know, he gets the touches, and that that's part of the fantasy equation is, is getting that opportunity. 
That's true. He does still have a, a decent workload. So, all right, next team. Yeah, and uh, moving on to New England, um, you know, we saw Drew Brees rip apart this Rams secondary. Uh, and I think Tom Brady's going to as well, even if Gronk and or Bennett are, are either out for this game or not at 100%. Um, from the backfield perspective, we saw Deion Lewis take on a slightly bigger role last week. And I think this trend is going to continue despite James White getting nine targets to Lewis's seven. I don't love LeGarrette Blunt this week as anything more than a flex play as the Rams' run defense is the strength of their defense. And I think that both Deion Lewis and James White are going to be flex plays or even high-end RB3s. Um, you know, if, if Gronk isn't 100% or if he's out in this game, I, I think both running backs are, could see a ton of targets in the passing game to make up for that. And Edelman should see an uptick as well. Um, he's a wide receiver too in PPR. Despite two touchdowns, Malcolm Mitchell uh, and, and Chris Hogan are both just low-end wide receiver three plays. It's really hard to predict who's going to score for New England any given week. Even though Mitchell had those touchdowns, Hogan still outsnapped him. And then stay tuned on uh, Gronk and Bennett's health. Uh, Gronk with that back injury that he left last week's game with against the Jets. And then Bennett, too, was in and out with that high ankle injury that he's been struggling with most of the season. Um, it, it's hard to really be confident that either are going to be effective, even if they do play. Um, I, I think you still have to start Gronk if he plays, but... Bennett also, you know, even if Gronk is out, he would still just be a low end RB or excuse me, tight end one for me. Uh, we just haven't seen that much from either of them in the passing game as of late. The only three Patriots, well, I guess the only two that I would definitely play, I think are Brady and Gronk. Edelman, I would give a strong consideration to play, but I don't think I'd be playing anyone else, even their defense. Um, I don't know. I, I think that there's going to be a lot of targets to go around, especially in PPR scoring, uh, especially with the tight ends kind of hobbled. Um, but you know, I, I understand your hesitation. This is an offense that changes week to week based on what the opposing team does well. So um, it can be hard to predict. But again, I, I'm projecting a, a high volume of passes and, and fewer uh, runs from New England this week against the Rams. Yeah, and, and to use your argument in favor of what I was saying with the, there's too many mouths to feed. They, they, I mean, it seems like all of their receivers are about equal, except for Edelman. He's probably the best out of all of them. But everyone else seems to be just in that same little area. You never know who's going to be the guy that goes off that game. It's just not worth it. Yeah, I mean, we could even see Amendola get a touchdown instead of Mitchell or Hogan. Yeah, exactly. So who are you going to take? Um, just like I don't bet against Drew Brees in the Superdome, I don't bet against Tom Brady at home. Yeah, Tom Brady easily. All right. Next game we have is Denver at Jacksonville. Yeah, that was a really tough loss for the Broncos last night. Um, definitely a hard-fought loss. Uh, just, you know, I, I don't love Trevor Simeon in fantasy, despite a pretty good stat line against Kansas City. Um, I just don't trust it, uh, especially, uh, you know, now away at Jacksonville. Um, he's still just in that QB2 range for me. And Devontae Booker, we're seeing, is losing some work to Capri Bibbs. Um, he's just a low-end RB2 right now, and, and Bibbs has become a flex play, getting some carries near the goal line, getting involved a lot in the passing game. Um, it's almost starting to devolve into a Matt Forte, Bilal Powell type situation. Um, I don't love either of them. Uh, I, I would take Booker over Bibbs. Um, and then for the receivers, Demarius and Sanders are both low-end wide receiver twos here. 
Um, even when Trevor Simeon struggles, he still manages to find his receivers for some of those big plays. And, you know, Emmanuel Sanders barely missed a couple of, a couple of long touchdowns, uh, you know, by his fingertips really in the last game. And I think that he's going to have a little bit more success against Jacksonville. Yeah, I think Denver's going to come back with uh, with a little bit of a vengeance this week. They have to prove something. Yeah, but at the same time, I think their defense is going to win this game, not their offense. Oh, definitely. Their offense, too, is, I mean, you know, they, they have really good players. Um, I'd probably play Demarius Thomas maybe as the only uh, player off of them. I wouldn't, or the only uh, wide receiver. I wouldn't play Sanders, I don't think. He's been way too fluky lately. He had that one big game yesterday, but, you know, he hasn't had a touchdown in five games, maybe. No, you know, I would actually play Sanders over Demarius. I, really? I still think that in, in Simeon's eyes, he's the number one guy. He's been out targeting Demarius Thomas, you know, basically the whole season. Um, I, I would definitely take Sanders as a wide receiver, too, over Demarius. Oh, I would not do that. I mean, I mean, you just look at Sanders, you know, target totals the last few weeks, 10, 11, uh, nine, ten. You know, he's definitely you know that trusted wide receiver over Demarius Thomas. At least it seems to me. Okay. I mean, really, they've been somewhat equal. I, I don't have it in front of me, but I'd be interested to see their fantasy points total uh, this year so far. I bet they're very, very close. I mean, it's not going to matter because it's going to be like a guy like Jordan Taylor or Penny Fowler that gets the touchdown. That's randomly. actually a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. You know, that that's always kind of the uh, the the in the back of your mind when you have a guy like Tremor Sivian who played with the second team offense for so long. He's going to have chemistry with some of those backup wide receivers. I still wouldn't play any of them. Oh no, definitely not. <laughs> uh, you know, you're not trusting those guys over uh, Sanders or Thomas. Right. Uh, so Jacksonville. What do you got? Yeah, I basically want no part of the, the Jaguars offense this week against a, a sure-to-be angry Von Miller and Denver defense here. Um, I think Bortles is going to be running for his life out there. Uh, he's just a low-to-mid-end low, low to mid -end QB2. Chris Ivory and TJ Yeldon, both just mid-level RB3s, and, and that's if Chris Ivory plays with that hamstring injury that the, he left the game with last week. Um, but even if Yeldon is, you know, the workhorse here, there, there's really not much to be done against this Denver defense. I don't love him. Even if he is the starter, he would still just be a flex play. And the only receiver I'm starting is Allen Robinson. And even he's just a low-end flex play at best. Um, you know, we saw Allen Hearns came out with a hamstring injury on, on that touchdown that he had. Uh, but even, even if he does play, I wouldn't start him regardless. Uh, I, it's really going to be maybe Yeldon and, and Allen Robinson, and that's about it for Jacksonville here. Man, I I wouldn't even play. I wouldn't play anybody. Yeah, but I mean, you know, sometimes you don't have better options. I think those guys are at least flex worthy. You know, the the volume of touches will count for something, I guess. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I don't even know if there's going to be garbage time in this game. Like, their Denver's defense is just so good that. They're, they could just shut them out completely. Yeah. Again, I don't think they have high ceilings, but again, if you're, if you're relying on them, we, we do have one more week till the playoffs. So got to go for it. Yeah. So, so should I even ask, who do you take? Yeah. Yeah. Give me Denver. I'm not even going to pick one. It's going to be too close of a game. I, you know what? It's going to be a tie. <laughs> okay. The next game we have, is Houston at Green Bay. Yeah, man. Um, Brock Osweiler is just 
awful um even against the green bay defense that's been giving up a ton of points to quarterbacks still just a low end qb2 for me i just don't see how you can trust osweiler in your fantasy lineup um we'll see how lamar miller's doing after aggravating his ankle sprain it, it sounds like the team is optimistic if he can play then he's still gonna be you know in that rb2 range um with alfred blue still out with his calf injury if lamar miller were to miss this game i think it's just going to be some kind of useless committee for fantasy um it's going to be some mix of akeem hunt grimes and, and tyler Irvin. uh if i had to pick one maybe jonathan grimes gets the goal line usage as the power back but but who knows um and then deandre hopkins and will fuller uh, now with fuller healthy he actually didn't have a you know a bad game this past week i think they're both wide receiver three or flex plays um, and they really only need one big play against this pretty bad Green Bay secondary to to produce those fantasy points for you. Osweiler is taking that entire team down. How how is he not taking better advantage of of a, a receiver of the caliber of Hopkins? I mean, who was it? it was Brian Hoyer on their on their team last year, right? Yeah, uh, I, I think how, right I, now Houston might rather have Hoyer. I agree with you, and I mean. The Bears at a certain point needed uh um needed him as well. You know, you know, it's just like he's a he's a much better quarterback, I think, than people gave him credit for. Um, I don't know about that, but certainly for for the price tag, I'd much rather have him. Right. How much is Oswald getting? Like seventy two million or something? It was eighty yeah, two. I, I think it's like four years, seventy something million. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, the QB situation in the league's pretty desperate right now, but uh, I, I think that's maybe houston hitched their cart to the wrong horse here yeah i would have to agree all right um on the green bay side here aaron Rodgers, uh he's certainly a qb1 um james starks we're seeing him still getting consistent touches should be a flex play uh against the houston defense where you know you want to run the ball and we'll see how the packers use Kristen michael tonight if at all um jordy nelson he's a high-end wide receiver too with houston sporting a, a pretty decent pass defense but you're not benching Jordy. Um, he's always got that upside. Just so much chemistry with Rodgers, especially in the red zone. And then Adams and Cobbs, both uh, both wide receiver threes right now. Certainly uh, both have chances to score. And then we'll see about Jared Cook. He's that boomer bust tight end two right now. He got a ton of usage last week. Um, we'll see how he does tonight against Philly. But, you know, Houston also defends against the tight end pretty well. So not expecting a huge day from him. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on on just about everything you said there. Um, there's not too much to like about the Packers this year, at least in comparison to to previous years. Um, even when when you got to say that Jordy is a wide receiver too, it just seems weird to me. Yeah, I mean he's he's a high end wide receiver too, but I, I think that there are so many good options. You know, with the league going to you know that pass heavy approach now that. I, I just don't have him as a wide receiver one. He's borderline there, but uh, there are 12 other guys that would rather start over him. Right. And, I, you know, I was hearing a lot of people complain about Aaron Rodgers recently, too, being like, oh, he's not the quarterback he used to be, et cetera, et cetera. But he's still putting up 20 points a game. Yeah, I mean, the, the Packers in real life are pretty terrible. But fantasy-wise, Rodgers has been rock solid. Uh, he's a top two or three quarterback right now for fantasy purposes. Okay, so who are you taking? I mean, the Packers have been pretty bad this year, but they're they're at home and they're not as bad as Houston. Yeah, I really don't want to pick the Packers, but I think I have to. 
just it just seems it leaves a bad taste in your mouth you know yeah but uh you know it, it has a nice ring to it the the number three in the nfc north green bay packers oh that sounds wonderful next game we have is a philadelphia at cincinnati yeah, um, Carson Wentz playing pretty well so far tonight. Uh, he's a mid-tier QB2 at the moment. Uh, Cincinnati's not a great matchup for him on the road. Uh, their run defense isn't the greatest, so it's likely going to be a mix of Wendell Smallwood and Darren Sproles if Ryan Matthews can't go again. Uh, both would be you know, in that high-end RB3 or flex play here. Uh, PPR, I, w- I would lean towards Sproles a little bit, but... You know, Matthews, uh, Jordan Matthews, that is, should be a low-end wide receiver, too. And then Zach Ertz should be a low-end tight end one, as Cincinnati does allow a lot of fantasy points to the tight end position. Uh, I think this is going to be kind of one of those ugly games. Both teams have been struggling as of late. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that Matthews and Ertz are really the, the more reliable fantasy options on this offense right now. So what do you think about the the whole battle for the number two spot between Aguilar and Green Beckham right now? Yeah, I mean, and you know, Nelson Aguilar not even active tonight. They they kind of are trying to motivate him. Um, I don't know how much there is to motivate. He's just had so many bad drops, and he's certainly having plenty of issues. We'll see how, um, who's the new kid? I think Paul Turner. Uh, not Paul Turner. Uh, what's his name? I'm blanking on him right now. Um... Am I thinking of the right guy? I don't know. I don't know who you're trying to think of. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is Paul Turner. I don't know why that didn't sound right to me, but hmm. we'll see. We'll see if Turner does anything right now. Um, if anything, I think the other guy who might step up is Doriel Green Beckham. Um, you know, he's been, he's been playing all right. He's kind of in that Justin Hunter mold, just that big, fast target. Uh, if he can be more consistent, he could be a good weapon for this Eagles offense. I mean, so far in this game, he's, he's gotten targeted... I think he's caught all his catches. I think he's gotten targeted four or five times. Yeah, I'm going to take this game with a, a little grain of salt just because it's the, the Green Bay secondary and they've been one of the worst in the league thus far. That's a very good point. Um, okay, on the Bengals side here, uh, similarly, the, the Eagles defense hasn't been that great, especially on the road. Um, they certainly play better at home, so I think this Bengals offense will uh, maybe do a little better than they did against Baltimore, but at the same time, Cincinnati's really struggling on offense without its two biggest playmakers. Uh, Andy Dalton's still just a QB two, And then Jeremy Hill, really, uh, he's the guy who's benefited from Gio Bernard's um, injury. He's a high, uh, well, mid to high RB2 simply due to the volume, especially with six targets last week in the passing game. And then Tyler Boyd and Brandon LaFell, both just still in that wide receiver three, wide receiver four range. Um, they're getting some more volume, but this whole offense is kind of stagnant so far without A.J. Green. And, of course, you're starting Tyler Eifert as a mid-end tight end one. He's getting that those consistent targets, especially in the red zone. It seems like, the at least with the news or everything that the coaches are letting out about, um, about A.J. Green right now, it, he seems like he's week to week, but is he really week to week? Do you think he's going to be back for the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, we we discussed this, uh, you know, when his injury first occurred, and I, I'm still in that boat where unless you're in a super deep bench league, I think Green is droppable. I just don't think the Bengals, uh, especially being, you know, out of playoff contention, I, I don't see any reason they would push one of their franchise players back, even if he could maybe go. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like 
you know, they were saying last week, oh, it could be only a two week injury and it's probably more of like a four to six week injury. So I don't really know. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I would drop him too in a, in a, in a non dynasty league. Yeah. And as we've seen in the past with other teams as well, coaches are always a little bit more optimistic, uh, than the general public. That's a very good point. So who are you taking? You know, I'll take the Eagles here. I just think that, you know, as not great as they've been, um, their defense does play relatively well, and this Bengals offense is just going to struggle without those two guys. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that one. Uh, The Eagles offense will carry them in this game. Next game we have is Miami at Baltimore. How weird is it that the Miami Dolphins are a playoff team right now? Um, it's hard to believe, but it's true. Uh, that said, for fantasy purposes, I don't think that Ryan Tannehill is trustworthy just yet. Uh, he's in that mid-range of QB2s, uh, but we have seen that he's got a decently high ceiling now that the offense is starting to click a little bit. Um, JJ is going to be up against one of the best run defenses in the league right now, and that's potentially without three of his starting linemen, so... He's downgrade for me to just a low-end RB2. And then Devontae Parker and Jarvis Landry, both just flex plays right now. Um, either war could have a big week, but we're seeing Kenny Stills take some of those random long touchdowns. And then especially traveling to Baltimore, it's going to be a much tougher task for this offense than facing San Francisco at home. I don't think it's going to be quite that high scoring of a game here. Um, and yeah, I, despite Deion Sims' touchdown last week too, you're not uh, you're not starting a Dolphins tight end here. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd have to agree with you with pretty much everything you said there. I wouldn't. Tannehill's not worth it. Uh, really, Ajay is the only one I would be playing. Yeah, um, I think maybe Landry in a PPR league uh, he could be flex worthy, but out, outside of him, uh, you know. Ajay, even even with you know facing a good Baltimore run defense, the volume's there, and he finds ways to punch it into the end zone. Yeah. All right, on the Baltimore side here, Joe Flacco, he could be a decent streaming option against this, uh, a Miami defense that's giving up a good amount of points. We saw Colin Kaepernick do great last week. Um, but that said, uh, Joe Flacco seems to struggle uh, for no reason at all. He's just is not the greatest quarterback, especially when you don't have great weapons around him. Um, And then from the backfield, it's almost an exact 50-50 split right now between Terrence West and Kenneth Dixon um, in both carries and targets in the passing game. Um, This even split makes them both just flex plays, especially against a pretty good Miami defensive line. For the receivers, Mike Wallace and Steve Smith, both high upside wide receiver threes in this game. But again, it's going to be hard to predict which is going to get used more each week. My guess for this week would be a, a bit more underneath routes uh, to both for against Miami here. And we could see a bigger day in PPR for Steve Smith if I had to pick one of these guys. Yeah, Joe Flacco is such like an anomaly to me. He, he's always like that guy that if you're looking for like a bye week pickup, or like a streaming option, you'll see him there, and he's he's usually at the top of the list of, of people who aren't owned, and you're like, oh yeah, I'll I'll take a chance on him, and it's the one week that he decides he doesn't want to have a good game, and then it's the next week, of course, that he'll like light it up and have four touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, for fan, not in, in terms of fantasy, but in real life quarterback terms, I, I compare him somewhat to Eli Manning. They're both mistake prone at the worst times, and they've both won Super Bowls, but. Um, those are, you know, kind of when they're riding those hot streaks. I, I don't think I don't think that either is consistent enough to be 
um, you know, one of those, uh, you know, top tier quarterbacks. Right. So are you uh, starting Justin Tucker this week? Yeah, I mean, I, I would start. I would start him every week uh, if I owned him. All right. So who do you have in this game? You know, it's tough because Miami's been really hot as of late. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I wrote down Baltimore, but I think I'm going to switch my pick to Miami here. I'm taking, I'm taking Baltimore home team. Yeah, it, it's tough. I just, you know, Adam Gase has been doing great and it's hard to bet against the Dolphins right now. Uh, give me, give me the Dolphins. Okay. Next game we have is the battle for the basement. Or not really for the basement because the Browns occupy that. But I, I guess the tier slightly above that. You have San Francisco at Chicago. Yeah, um, I actually think this is going to be a really fun game. Uh, both defenses are pretty terrible. Uh, this could be a pretty high-scoring affair here in Chicago. And most importantly, Colin Kaepernick. He's been a fantasy QB1 since he's taken over the starting job. And I see no reason why he can't continue this streak against a Chicago team that's just been wrecked by injuries. Um, Chicago lost Danny Trevathan now to a ruptured, uh, what is it? A ruptured Achilles or something? No, it wasn't Achilles. I think it was, uh, it was something in his knee. Yeah. Well, regardless, uh, they're out another one of their key pieces on defense. Um, you know, Colin Kaepernick fire him up as a QB one and Carlos Hyde. He should be a high end RB two in this one. Chicago has been, uh, not great at stopping the run either. And one of the most reliable pass catchers now for the 49ers has been the tight end, Vance McDonald. He's had six or more targets in the last five games. He's a high-end tight end too for me. Um, as for the actual wide receivers, I think they're all just kind of a shot in the dark. We could see Torrey Smith have a decent game here, but I don't know that he's trustworthy. If anything, he's a high upside wide receiver for. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I actually feel like this is going to be another one of those games where you're watching it, and a touchdown is going to happen, and you're going to be like, who the hell is this guy who's catching this touchdown? Yeah, could be uh, Zach Brown again for Chicago. Um, and, and speaking of the Bears, I think this is one where, really, Matt Barkley uh, isn't a terrible streaming QB option. Uh, I think, again, this is going to be one of those shootout-type games where both defenses are going to struggle um, Barkley did pretty well last week, and he's that high-ceiling, low-floor, desperation QB2. Of course, Jordan Howard is the lone bright spot in this offense with another game of over 100 scrimmage yards last week against Tennessee. He should be a solid mid-range RB2. And uh, the only high upside guy of the receivers right now with all those terrible drops is Marcus Wilson. You know, I'm hesitant to trust him as more than just a high-end wide receiver four. Um, the one game, it just isn't a big enough sample size to see if he's going to continue to get targeted this heavily, but he did get those 11 targets last week, and San Francisco isn't the worst matchup. I think the only player on the Bears I'm, I'm even considering this week is Jordan Howard. Yeah, I mean, he's the only reliable one, but again, uh, especially for DFS or if, you, if you've been streaming quarterbacks, uh, Barkley isn't terrible. Yeah, I mean it could it could be fluky too. I mean I, I don't trust him. I, I wouldn't trade I wouldn't take him even as a streaming option. Even against a bad defense. Okay, that's fair. Uh you know, hopefully you do have better options in week thirteen than Matt Barkley, but again, if you're in a deeper league or a two quarterback league, he's been doing okay so far. I mean Joe Flacco might be available. He always is. <laughs> that's very true. Uh you know 
Oh, you know, that's a toss-up. I, I think in fantasy, I would actually take Matt Barkley over Joe Flacco this week. Are you serious? Week. I don't think I would. You want to make a bet on that? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. I'll, I'll say Matt Barkley has more fantasy points in week 13 than Joe Flacco. Okay. Yeah, I'll take that. Okay. We'll see. Um, but despite that, give me San Francisco. I'll take San Francisco, too. All right. Next game we have is Buffalo at Oakland. Yeah, and with uh, Sammy Watkins back, Tyrod Taylor fire him up as a low-end QB1 against a very beatable uh, Raiders secondary. Uh, of course, LaShawn McCoy is a rock-solid RB1. We saw him bust out that um, crazy 75-yard touchdown where he was running at, I think it was like 21, 22 miles an hour. And then fire up Sammy Watkins as a low-end wide receiver too. It's great to see him back on the field now with his foot healthier. Um, he's the clear number one target. Uh, reportedly, he felt good after the game, and he should play close to full snaps now that his foot is 100%. He was pretty uh, pretty productive last week as well. I, yeah, I, mean, I mean, he was very efficient on his, his few uh, plays that he, he was in on. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say most of his uh, yardage came on one big play, but that's exactly what he gives you. He's that threat that Buffalo needs to kind of free up uh, the, the open space in the middle for LaShawn McCoy, and I think this helps the whole offense. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, on the Oakland side here, uh, Derek Carr had a pretty nasty injury, dislocated his pinky in two different places on his throwing hand, but he was able to go back into the game against Carolina wearing a glove. Um, and he performed pretty well after that. Not too concerned about him playing well this week. Um, he should still be in that low-end QB1 territory as well. And then we saw Latavius Murray uh, getting the bulk of the snaps here. He should be a low-end RB2 despite uh, sharing time with Jalen Richard and the other running backs in the rotation here. Um, and then Amari Cooper, despite a pretty down day, he's still a high-end wide receiver too, as is Michael Crabtree. Um, this is one of the most fun offenses to watch in the league right now, and both of those wide receivers should get plenty of opportunities against Buffalo. Man, Oakland's in first place. That's something that's weird. I, it, it, I, I can't say that. It just seems weird to me. Yeah, I mean, when, when's the last time that happened? Maybe like the been, early 2000s? It's been like 15 years. Yeah, that, that sounds about right to me. It's, it's been a while. You know, I'm, I'm happy for Raider Nation, and hopefully we'll, we'll see a resurgence for the Chicago Bears sometime in the near future. Maybe in the next two, three years. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, give me give me Oakland. Hmm. I'll take Buffalo. All right. Next game we have New York Giants at Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. Um man, I, I the record that the Giants have did not does not reflect how how their team has been playing um despite the score i, I feel like they barely beat cleveland uh that said eli should be a high on qb2 in this one i think this is going to be another one of those games where he's going to be forced to kind of play catch up against ben roethlisberger and company um i, I think the game script is going to favor paul perkins here a little bit more in the pass catching role but he and jennings are both just flex plays uh there's just so inconsistent week to week and then they might be getting Shane Vereen back in another week or so, which is just going to muddy that picture up even more. I want really no part of the Giants running backs. Um, of course, you're starting Odell Beckham. And I think that Sterling Shepard is actually a decent flex play here, despite not getting a single target last week against Cleveland. Um, again, one of those things I can't really 
really explain, but uh, he's still the second best weapon in this offense behind Odell Beckham, and I think he's going to get plenty of usage against the Steelers here. What about their defense? Yeah, you know, their defense has been playing shockingly well. Um, I, I think they're, I would probably have them as a top six or seven defense right now in the NFL. Overall, really? Yeah, um, but that said, I, I think they are going to struggle against Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Um, I, I would not, uh, I would fade the Giants defense in fantasy this week. You think it's going to be another uh, three touchdown outing for, for Antonio Brown? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he'll do quite that well, but I do think that the Steelers offense is still going to be successful here, especially at home. I agree with you. They're, they're too good of an offense. Yeah, I mean, I think I have Ben Roethlisberger as a low-end QB1. Um, you're always starting Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown as long as they're on the field. They've had just rock-solid floors this year and insanely high ceilings. And beyond those guys, it's kind of a crapshoot. I do think Eli Rogers is going to see a few more targets in this game. Um, he would be that wide receiver for desperation flex play of the rest of these guys. Yeah, I don't really have much to add to that. You're, you're starting your studs. All right. Um, you know, this is another one where it's really tough here. Um, again, I actually wrote down the Giants, but I think I'm going to go with the Steelers at home. I think that Ben and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown just find ways to win, especially when they're at Heinz Field. I'm going to take the Steelers too. But you know, Mung, when you say I actually wrote this down, it almost seems like a cop out. In case you were wrong, you could be like, oh, well, I wrote this one down. No, I'm, I'm, taking, I'm <laughs> taking the Steelers, so, you know, if the Giants win, I'll make my peace with that. Okay. I know I think Pittsburgh is going to win handily, actually. I don't know about handily. I think that this is going to be a closer game than a lot of people think. Uh, again, the, the Giants' defense has been sneakily good this year. Yeah, I still, I still think it's going to be, I still think Pittsburgh are going to win it. Like, it's going to be too easy for them. It's going to be a blowout. I, I definitely disagree with that. I do think the Giants are going to keep this close. Okay. Next game we have is Washington at Arizona. Yeah, this is going to be another one of those fun games, kind of like Kansas City and, and, and uh, excuse me, um, Atlanta. Um, this should be a real test for the Washington offense. Kirk Cousins has been dealing, but he's gotten away with some bad throws against other defenses that, you know, in, in the matchup against a team like Arizona, he just can't make. Uh, still low in QB1 in fantasy, despite his big 30-point day. And I don't love Robert Kelly here. I think it's going to be another Chris Thompson-type game. Um, Kelly should be fine. Uh, he'll, he'll be a low on RB2 or a high on RB3. Excuse me. Um, and then in terms of the receivers, I think Patrick Peterson is going to limit those big plays, uh, as is Tyran Matthew. Um, I don't love Deshaun Jackson. He's just a wide receiver four. He's always that boom-bust guy, but... I'm seeing more bust here this week. And I think Jamison Crowder is going to get a lot of targets out of the slot. He's going to be that low and wide receiver too in this matchup. Um, they're really going to need to keep it kind of in the middle of the field. I don't see a, a lot of big plays happening here. Um, and, and especially with Jordan Reed uh, hurting his shoulder here, I, I think both Crowder and Garcon get a nice little bump in terms of target share. Um, Garcon would be a flex play for me. And, I, you know, I don't think Jordan Reed has a huge day. Uh, Arizona has been really, really good covering the tight end, and he's got that shoulder injury. Um, he's questionable, uh, although they are reporting that he he's closer to playing than not. Uh, but even if he is, he's just a low-end tight end one for me. Uh, the injury 
with how good Arizona is against tight ends just really kind of scares me away from him this week. Um, I actually kind of like Vernon Davis. Uh, I, I think that he might get a little bit more usage uh, with them trying to maybe limit read snaps a little bit here. So Jamison Crowder, what is your long-term outlook on him? As in, it, this is more of a, a keeper or dynasty question because I think he could be a potentially top 10 receiver as early as next year. Yeah, you know, I don't know about top 10. Um, I'm not going to go quite that far, but I, I think he's been a reliable wide receiver too in PPR, and I think he'll continue to be that. He's kind of, uh, you know, that tough over-the-middle guy, kind of like Jarvis Landry was the last couple of years, uh, especially being peppered with targets. Um, and, you know, n- uh, not to get too much into my own teams, but I actually was in talks uh, of a trade involving Crowder and and Alshon Jeffrey, and I ended up not um, not straight up, but I ended up declining that offer because I am starting to really like Jamison Crowder here. He just plays so tough of the middle, and he's he's not a burner, but he's fast enough to break those big plays as well. I think Kirk Cousins is good is a good enough quarterback to make him make a a, a pretty decent jump next year. Yeah, and that's the other thing too, right? You know, everyone's expecting Washington to sign Cousins to a long-term deal. He certainly has that chemistry with Crowder, and and I see those two hooking up for a lot of connections in the la- in the next few seasons. So, are we completely done? Not to change the subject, but are we completely done with Matt Jones now? Yeah, I, I think we've been done with him for a while. He's been a healthy scratch, and I, he's he's had his fumbling issues, and he was never that great, even when he was on the field. Yep, I'll agree with that. All right, on the Arizona side here, Carson Palmer wasn't terrible against Atlanta, um, and he should be okay at home against Washington. But that said, he's just a mid-level QB2 at this point. Uh, the floor is pretty low, and the, the ceiling really isn't all that high either. Um, you're starting David Johnson, of course, and, and Larry Fitzgerald, still a high-end wide receiver too here despite a down game last week. None of the other wide receivers did anything, and I really don't know what what happened to John Brown and Michael Floyd. Um, Both looked really good at one point in their careers, and this year has just been a train wreck for those guys. Um, They're just desperation wide receiver fours or or wide receiver fives even at this point. Um, The one interesting note here for me is that Jermaine Gresham, the tight end, he was second in targets uh, last week behind David Johnson with 10, and he caught another touchdown here. Um, I'm, I'm still not trusting him. Uh, you know, just Arizona historically really hasn't used the tight end in the passing game, but he's a guy to keep an eye on. If Bruce Arians actually starts calling more plays in the passing game to the tight end, um, Jermaine Gresham is his athleticism is there. He's always had that. And, you know, if they actually use him to compensate for Palmer's reduced arm strength here, he could be a reliable fantasy tight end down the stretch if he starts getting, you know, six, seven targets a game. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. Like, what happened to Arizona? They had potentially at one point three startable fantasy wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, I think we're kind of seeing that Peyton Manning cliff with Carson Palmer. I think that's the big problem here. So you're saying that Carson Palmer's done, he's going to retire after he wins the Super Bowl this year? I don't think he's going <laughs> to retire, but I also don't think that the Cardinals are remotely close to a Super Bowl team right now. You think they stick with Palmer next year? I think if he's healthy, yeah. Um, I, I don't see. I don't think they have anyone else lined up that would be a better option right now. Um, but you know, in the NFC, you know, there are a lot of teams that are clearly better. I would take. 
I mean, definitely Dallas, Seattle, um, maybe even Washington. We'll see this week how this matchup goes. Uh, you know, that's part of the reason I think this is going to be a, a pretty good game. I don't know. It's, it's a bit off topic, but I'm just, I, I, the only reason I say it is because Tony Romo is going to hit the market this, this offseason. And uh, I think Arizona might want to take a look. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Romo at this point would be a, a bigger upgrade, but I mean, they can't really cut Carson Palmer. He, they would be, you know, right. losing no, out I agree 13 with that. million. I agree with that. I, yeah, I, I mean, I think that Palmer is the, the, the starter under center for the foreseeable future right now. Okay. So who are you taking? Um, man, th- this is another tough one. Th- this is one where I wrote down Arizona, and, and I think I'm going to stick with Arizona. Good, because I want to take Washington. Okay. I don't I... want to pick the same thing as you every time. No, that's fine. I, again, I, I think that it's, it's a good sign for the league when, when you're trying to pick games and you're having a hard time, right? I, it's, it should be a good game. That's all I can say. I'll, t- I'll take the Cardinals, though. All right. Next thing we have is Tampa Bay at San Diego. Yeah, Tampa Bay. What what a win against Seattle. Um, that was just uh, very few people expected that, I think. And, you know, that was a, a gritty, great win. I, I can't say enough about it. They're, they're on fire now, beating Kansas City on the road and Seattle at home. I think this is going to be a good matchup here in San Diego. Jameis Winston should be a solid low-end QB1 for fantasy. And Doug Martin should be a high-end RB2 now in this matchup. Uh, you know, he's getting a ton of the touches now that he's healthy. He hasn't broken any of those big plays yet, but he again, he faced Kansas City and Seattle. Um, neither are, are huge, um, or neither give up those huge plays very often. Um, and of course, you're starting Mike Evans. Uh, he's he's playing at just ridiculous levels right now. He's 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 been a top five, almost top three wide receiver. Um, the other only consistent option really is Cameron Bray in the passing game. He's been a high-end tight end too, and that's where I have him this week as well. He's become that de facto number two receiving option for the Bucks um, since Vincent Jackson's injury, and he did well even against Seattle. Yeah, I'll agree with you. There's not too much more to say about these guys. It's, it's the Mike Evans show. Yeah, uh, and as an owner of him in, in a couple leagues, I have no issues with that. Uh, moving on to San Diego, Philip Rivers is playing great football right now, too. He's a solid mid to low QB1 fantasy. Uh, Melvin Gordon didn't score last week, but he's still in that low end RB1 range, just given all the work that he gets. I certainly expect a touchdown or more for him. And then Tyra Williams, uh, you know, had that shoulder injury last week, but the team sounds optimistic about him playing this week against Tampa Bay. And then Dontrell Emmon, he had that big touchdown play, and both are just, you know, low-end wide receiver twos right now, or maybe in that high-end flex range, um, despite the Buccaneers' defense playing better as of late. And then I still have Antonio Gates as a low-end tight end one, again, uh, along with Eric Ebron, even though neither of those guys, uh, you know, did anything in fantasy last week. uh, I think that's an anomaly. I wouldn't read too much into it unless it becomes more of a pattern. We've seen that Gates is still a reliable target for Philip Rivers. I feel like Rivers is, he, year after year, he plays at that fringe MVP level, but he can never quite get over that hump. Yeah, I mean, he seems to make those kind of boneheaded Eli Manning bad decisions at the worst times. Um, I think Eli does it more. Yeah, but no, well, to your point, I think that Philip Rivers eventually will be a Hall of Famer. 
Yeah, that's that's, that's possible. But he, I mean, he he doesn't win like Eli does. Yeah, but I mean, you know, despite that, his quarterback play isn't always to blame here. And he has like a thousand children. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was reading a tweet. Uh, I, I was. A while I read back the same one. I think. Yeah. <laughs> where uh, you know, this whole time, uh, Philip Rivers been been breeding a replacement team for when all of San Diego gets hurt, yep. something like that. <laughs> yep. Um. Yeah. Um. You know what? Give me Tampa Bay. I'll take San Diego. Okay. I, I think that the Buccaneers are, are starting to gain momentum. They're getting confident. Um, these young players are, are finally starting to come into their own, and I think they're going to keep it rolling against a San Diego team that's prone to lapses, especially in the fourth quarter. I believe in late season rivers. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, this is a team where I, I, I tweeted out back in like the offseason, even before preseason, that Tampa Bay was a legit contender for the NFC South. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, they're only a game behind Atlanta, and I think that they're going to have a big win on the road here on the West Coast. Okay. So the Sunday night football game we have is Carolina at Seattle. Yeah, you know, I just, I don't see... I see this game going very close uh, to how the NFC championship game went a few years ago where Carolina just got spanked by Seattle. Um, I think that this Panthers offense is playing pretty bad right now. And, and, you know, going to Seattle isn't the best cure. I, I, I see Cam Newton as just a low end QB one, maybe even a high end QB two this week. Um, I'm avoiding Jonathan Stewart as a flex play. Um, at, at best here, despite a nice outing last week, he's just su- excuse me, he's just too inconsistent to trust, and I don't think he scores a touchdown against Seattle. Um, I don't love Kelvin Benjamin. I think he's a low-end wide receiver three or flex. The only pass catcher I'd really trust here is Greg Olson. He's still in that you know mid to low tight end one range despite a few down weeks. I, I just don't love it for this offense in general. I feel like Cam Newton is is playing like every other year. It seems like he wants to be a a really good quarterback. As in, like he he uses he exerts all of his energy and he needs to cool down for an entire season before before you get to see real Cam Newton again. Yeah, I mean, fantasy wise, in this game, uh, it wouldn't shock me if Cam put up like twenty four or twenty five points. I think the ceiling is still there for him, but I just also think that the floor could be really low in this matchup. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I feel like almost anybody, any quarterback's floor against Seattle is very low. Yeah, I mean, especially at CenturyLink. I think that's the big factor right. here. All right. Um, on the Seattle side, uh, Russell Wilson, he got pummeled by the Tampa Bay pass rush last week. Um, I think he will have his share of issues um, against Carolina's pass rush as well. But I think a healthier defense is going to relieve some of the pressure off of him to, to win this game. Um, I think he just needs to not lose it, and he's alone in QB1 here with upside against Carolina, whose secondary has been pretty shaky. You know, Wilson was basically, you know, inches away from a couple big plays to Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett down the field last week. Um, I, I like Russell Wilson, and I like Thomas Rawls as well. He's a mid-level RB2. Um, and then Doug Baldwin, he should bounce back to that wide receiver two level as well. And Jimmy Graham, too, a mid-level tight end one, despite the entire offense really just struggling this past week at Tampa Bay. Do you think Rawls is, is ever going to be that, that uh, running back one option again this year? 
Because I feel like everyone was so high on him coming into the season, and then, you know, he gets injured, and then he comes back, and everyone's high on him again, that there is really no threat to his, his touches in the backfield now. Yeah, I mean, I think the opportunity is really there for him, but, uh, you know, his playoff schedule really isn't that great. They get Carolina this week, then they go to Green Bay, um, and then they face uh, the Rams and the Cardinals at home in weeks 15 and 16. Those are all pretty good run defenses. Um, I don't know that he's in that RB1 range right now. I, I think he's just in that high end RB2 range simply because I still believe the talent is there, but certainly these matchups in the next few weeks aren't going to help him. So if you were one of the people to who who either got lucky on waivers last week or uh, picked up Rawls a couple weeks early before he was ready to come back, are you keeping him throughout the playoffs, or do you want to try to sell high if he has a good game before that tough those uh, a tough stretch of games? I mean, I, I feel like you know in, in most leagues the trade deadlines pass at this oh, point. Oh, that's that's true. Um, Some people still have a week though. Sure. Um, I, I guess it depends on your other options. It's kind of hard to say in a vacuum, but I do think that, you know, given all the opportunities he's going to get, um, if someone believes he's an RB1, I would sell him. Uh, I, I think he's an RB2. Okay. I think, he's, I think he's one of those fringe players. I think he'll be a high-end RB2, low-end RB1, just based on volume. Yeah, I think that's a, uh, that's a fair assessment. I think he's in that... Carlos Hyde, maybe maybe slightly above Hyde. Okay. Who um, are you taking? Yeah, g- g- give me Seattle at home. Yeah, I'll take Seattle. Carolina's done nothing to impress me this year. All right. Um, Monday Night Football. India- Indianapolis at New York Jets? Yeah. Um, that was a pretty bad, bad game on Thanksgiving uh, without Andrew Luck. Uh, certainly, we did not want to see Scott Tolzien. But uh, the good news is Andrew Luck should be back for this game, uh, and he will be starting uh, for your fantasy team if he starts for the Colts. He should be a solid QB1 against the Jets secondary here. And then Frank Gore, um, he'll struggle on the ground a little bit against this Jets defensive line, but he's still in that low-end RB2 range. He, he should get some work in the passing game, and he could punch in a touchdown. Uh, T.Y. Hilton was awful, Scott Tolzien, but he goes right back into that mid-level wide receiver two territory with luck back, as does Dante Moncrief. Um, apparently, all he does is catch touchdowns, even from Tolzien. And I don't know how you're starting a Colts tight end with, with both Dwayne Allen and Jack Doyle healthy. Neither has much fantasy value here. You know, it's funny that they're playing the Jets here because I see a nice little dynamic going on here between Hilton and Moncrief. Kind of similar how we've seen in years past between Marshall and Decker. What, what do you think about Moncrief kind of being the new Eric Decker? Yeah, um, I actually hadn't thought of that, but that's that's a pretty decent comparison because uh, Decker never really had a ton of those huge games, but he seemed to always be good for a touchdown, and that's basically what Dante Moncrief has done this year. I just think it's a, it's interesting. You know, he he seems like he could be. Like if he's on another team, he he's the wide receiver one. It seems like. Um, not every team, but maybe. you know what I mean. I I don't know that. He, I, I he see him. I see him as more in that Marvin Jones mold, where he's good enough to take over some games. Um, but he also benefits definitely from having Hilton opposite him. I, I think part of his success can definitely be attributed to that. Okay. Um, so for the, for the Jets side here, um, they put up a good game against the Patriots, almost came away with a win. 
Uh, but of course they didn't. Uh, and uh, the good news is the Colts defense is just as bad as New England's, if not even worse. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's that untrustworthy QB two. But I do like Matt Forte here against Indy's run defense. He should be a, a mid-level RB two. Um, Powell will be a low-end flex play as we we might not see as much of him. And then uh, we finally saw some life from the wide receivers. I, I mentioned last week that I actually liked Quincy Nunwa over Brandon Marshall, and that worked out nicely. Uh, but both did have a touchdown, and Brandon Marshall should be back in that low-end wide receiver too this week uh, in that area. Uh, we'll see if they can keep it up. And then Quincy Nunwa is, is a decent flex play. Uh, I still don't fully trust this offense, but certainly this is a nice matchup for New York. Yeah, I, I, I don't have anything else to add to that. I mean, you're you're gonna probably play Marshall if you have him, and and Forte. Forte actually, surprisingly, he is number ten in rushing yards this year. Would you have guessed that? Yeah, I mean, I I feel like most of that has been you know one or two big games, but uh, you know, really, it just I do think that this game script is going to set up uh, as more of a Forte game. Okay, so who are you taking? Um. Give me the Colts. I think this is a, a must-win game for them. They they really don't have that much time left to catch up to Houston. Um, I, I think that I think that Andrew Luck is gonna pull out his bag of tricks and, and take this game. I agree. I, I would take Indy here. All right. Um, that is going to conclude our previews uh, for this week. We've only got two teams on by, and that is Cleveland and Tennessee. And um, what's with these late buys? Week thirteen. This is the latest I think it's ever been. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's good if you're a playoff team, uh, but I don't think Cleveland is, and Tennessee might be, but I don't see them as a true contender yet, uh, maybe in another year or two. Um, but for fantasy purposes, you're you're losing Marcus Mariota at quarterback. Um, you're losing DeMarco Murray, Isaiah Krill, and Duke Johnson at running back, Terrell Pryor and Rashard Matthews at wide receiver, and then on by is going to be Delaney Walker and, and Gary Barnage if you are still unlucky enough to be starting him in fantasy um yeah just i mean there's really not a whole lot in terms of uh running backs at this point on the waiver wire i, I feel like most of these guys are owned uh maybe if Dion lewis is still out there um if kenneth dixon is still out there uh, those are guys you might want to try and pick up um streaming quarterback wise uh colin kaepernick he he's almost in that must own category right now i mean I understand that he left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, uh, you know, from prior performances, but really he's putting up QB one numbers in fantasy and, and that's all that should matter to you right now. Um, his rushing floor is super high and, and we've seen that he's got a high ceiling as well. Um, but you know, if you don't have any of those options, Jared Goff at new England should be a decent streaming, uh, matchup as well. And then I mentioned Matt Barkley at home against San Francisco, uh, should be a shootout type of game. Um, Moving on to some injuries here. Wait, Dar wait, 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 wait. Yeah. So I, I guess this is in free agency, but the Browns and RG3, they were saying that they could, he could potentially play this year. Is he someone that you might want to pick up as some kind of desperation a couple weeks in advance in case maybe he has an awesome game in the playoffs or your quarterback goes down and there's nothing else, you know, nothing else there? What, what do you think? Um, for me, no. I, I like RG3 in the fact that he, he should boost both Terrell Pryor and Corey Coleman because he does have that good deep ball, um, but I would not trust him as your fantasy quarterback. Okay. So you're not picking him up, but but keep your eyes out for Pryor and... 
Yeah, I yeah. think I think maybe you know if you're desperate, if you were one of the people that lost AJ Green, um, you know if you're if you're looking for a desperation wide receiver, um, Corey Coleman might help uh, might help you uh, if RG three is back. I, I do think that RG three would be more prone to connecting on those deep shots than Kessler or McCown. What about RG three's ability? At least in the past, we've seen this with running backs. Like typically, he'll make the running back better almost every time. I mean, we saw. It- in Washington, um, with- I, I see your point, but I, I don't think that they want RG three running that much, given his recent injury issues. I, I think they're going to kind of limit his rushing capabilities, even if he does return. Okay, so everyone on the Browns remains the same. He doesn't change anything. Well, no, he. I mean, I would give an uptick to to the receivers, um, to Pryor and Coleman, but uh, I would not play him as your fantasy quarterback. Okay. Um, All right, so moving on to uh, some injuries here. Derek Carr, again, with a dislocated finger, but he is expected to play. Um, Andrew Luck still going through that concussion protocol, but he returned to practice today, and he should play this week as well. Um, Lamar Miller aggravated that ankle sprain. Uh, Certainly keep an eye out on him, but reports thus far have been optimistic. Um, Chris Ivory, uh, he injured that hamstring, but even if he is active, he gets Denver this week. Um, Sammy Watkins with that foot injury uh, seems to be good. Um, he looked like he was mostly healthy. Um, barring a setback, his snap should go up close to 100%. Stefan Diggs with the knee injury was inactive last week on, on Thanksgiving, but he is expected to play this Thursday against Dallas. Alan Hearns, again, same as Chris Ivory with a hamstring issue, but again, same as Chris Ivory gets Denver. Jordan Reed with that shoulder sprain, it sounds like he may play, but again, Arizona, uh, really good at defending against the tight end. Don't love him this week, even if he is active. Um, And then Rob Gronkowski and Martellus Bennett, both dealing with injuries. Uh, Gronk with the back issue, certainly monitor his practice status. And then Martellus Bennett, he'll likely uh, be limited as he has been most of the season, but then be active on Sunday. So again, um, you know, as I mentioned, there's really not a whole lot in terms of running back potential right now on the waivers in most leagues. Um, I, I would prioritize guys like Derrick Henry and Alfred Morris, some of those pure handcuffs who, you know, really aren't doing much for your team. But if anything were to happen to the guys in front of them, they could be season winners. Um, and then the only wide receivers I, I'd really mention here that I see still, you know, really low owned is Marcus Wilson and, and possibly Malcolm Mitchell in deeper leagues. Um, again, Wilson, it's a really small sample size with one week with Matt Barkley, but he did get 11 targets last week. Gets a pretty easy matchup against the 49ers at home this week. And then Malcolm Mitchell, uh, as he continues to build rapport with Brady, even though he's still being outsnapped by Chris Hogan, uh, he certainly built up that chemistry uh, with Brady, especially in the red zone. Um, and then we could see all the wide receivers and the running backs get an uptick in the passing game uh, if Gronk and or Bennett were to be Uh, excuse me, miss any time or be limited. And then the one tight end that I wanted to mention was Vernon Davis. Uh, Again, Washington may rely on him a little bit more, even if Jordan Reed is active for this week's game. And then similarly, even with Reed uh, playing in front of him, the last six games, he has scored 11 or more points in PPR in five of them. So Vernon Davis, someone to keep an eye on in deeper PPR leagues. That's going to do it for this week's show. Um, certainly, uh, we expect Los to be back with us next week, hopefully. And, um, you know, uh, Dan, anything to add before we sign off here? 
No, I got nothing. All right. Uh, as always, <laughs> our super producer, Dan, with his valuable input. Um, and yeah, week 13. Don't uh, lie to them. My input's not valuable at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to give credit where credit's sometimes due. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, week 13, uh, it's kind of make or break time. Hopefully, if you are you know in that final playoff push, uh, good luck to you. Uh, you know, as long as you can make it in the playoffs, anything is possible. So uh, do your best uh, this week. You know, start some of those risk reward guys. If you really are an underdog, uh, you know, go go for the gold. As always, uh, if you have more specific questions for us, you can find us on Twitter. I am at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. Uh, you can tweet at Los at FFA underscore Los. That's L-O-S. You can tweet at me if you want, but no one ever does. At FFA underscore D-A-N. Dan. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you can always find us on SoundCloud. We're also on iTunes and Google Play. You can listen to us uh, in whatever manner is easiest for you. Hopefully, we've helped you out a little bit this season. Um, And, you know, as always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Do you want me to say thanks, addicts, or do you want to say thanks, addicts? No, you might as well. I just said it twice, so I may as well say it again. All right. Thanks, Addicts. Thanks, Addicts. Wait, what? <laughs> no, you took too long. I took that from you. Fine. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.